There's a kind of tsunami that we're facing right now that a lot of people aren't aware of, and that's debt. Okay, there's a ton of debt coming due. Depending on where you look, it could be as much as 1.6 trillion coming due by the end of next year. And about a half a trillion of that is multifamily. And here's the problem. Those people have two options if that debt's coming due. One is they refinance. What is up, everybody? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. As always, I am your host, Taylor Lote, and this is the show that will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. Today, we have a very special guest, Rod Cleef. Rod is a very experienced real estate investor who has owned over 2,000 properties in his time in real estate. He's learned some very big lessons in multifamily and single family. In 2008, he lost $50 million. He's come back even stronger. He's doing very big things today. Rod, thanks so much for joining us today. Tell us about what you're up to these days. No, it's great to see you again, brother. What am I up to these days? I do boot camps. I teach people how to buy multifamily. I was bragging a little bit before uh, we went live and that my students, my coaching students are called my warriors, now own over 180,000 units that we know of, somewhere between 180 and 190. And just something I'm super proud of because I've only been teaching for five years. And so that's a big part of what I do. And of course, I'm in acquisitions as well. And we're buying assets and and just loving the business. I've, you know, when you do it, when you do what you love, work is play. And that's what I tell my students, you know, focus on your strengths. And when you're focusing on your strengths, you're doing what you love. And as you know, there's multiple hats you can wear in this business. And so if you're an operator, that is, and you know, and, but when you're playing to your strengths, you love what you do, work is play, and then you're passionate about it and you have the ability to influence as well. Before we started recording, you were telling me about your perspective on the market today is pretty bearish in the real estate market. And you bring a Mm -hmm. pre-Great Recession perspective. As I mentioned, you had some pretty pretty serious experience through the Great Recession. And I'd love to dig into that today and talk about your perspective on the real estate market moving forward. You're still an investor. You're not sitting on the sidelines, but you have a bearish perspective. What does that all mean? How does that all shake out for you? Like I said, I am buying as we speak and the, but I am bearish. And here's why. I sure, I believe the rates are going to come down before the election. I think they have to, the administration is going to make sure that happens, you know, for the election. That's been, that's not uncommon, actually, that happens from time to time. But after the election, I would just say, watch out. Now, I come at it from a rose-colored glasses uh, view because I believe there's going to be incredible opportunity. I'm seeing opportunity already. It's not like prolific, but it's there. And, you know, here's why I believe it's going to happen. Well, first of all, you know, I'm recently single and I went to the grocery store to buy groceries for the first time in quite a long time. And I get to the counter and I'm like, 150 for that? Are you kidding me? And I looked at clerk. I said, how do people afford this? And she just shook her head. So that's number one. Number two is I went and filled up my car or my truck rather. It was like $120, $130. I'm like, are you kidding me? When I grew up, gas was 25 cents a gallon. Okay. Just to give you some perspective. And you know, I, I and you know, so that's number one. Number two is, you know, I saw headlines probably been about six, eight months ago. I got it right here, actually. 20 million families are behind in the utility bills. 20 million families in the United States, not just individuals. Okay. Forbes article, expect layoffs at 51% of US companies, according to a new survey. I'll tell you, I, I was telling you about this Harry Dent article. Now, he's a, you know, he's an alarmist. Uh, him and Peter Schiff are alarmists. I had him on my podcast and Here's the, here's, this is today, okay? Economist claims 2024 will bring biggest crash of our lifetime in the U.S., okay? Now, again, 
Got to take a little grain of salt because he's been talking about a crash for a long time. That said, like I was telling you, I saw him in Vancouver speaking in the 90s, and he absolutely predicted 08. And had I listened, I'd have gotten out of real estate, and I wouldn't have lost $50 million. But, you know, there's a couple other direct quotes, okay? Trump, love him or hate him, said that Trump warns U.S. economy could reach levels of the Great Depression, okay? Again, love him or hate him, I don't care. But Elon Musk, who I have a lot of respect for, everyone's lying. A bigger crash is coming. These are direct quotes. So again, is that something to be scared about? No, it's something to be aware of. And the good news for commercial real estate, the bad news is that there are, let me back up. The good news for commercial real estate is that the Fed will immediately stop lower, lowering rates, start lowering rates significantly, which will help our business. However, there's a kind of tsunami that's, that we're facing right now that a lot of people aren't aware of, and that's debt. Okay, there's a ton of debt coming due. Depending on where you look, it could be as much as 1.6 trillion coming due by the end of next year. And about a half a trillion of that is multifamily. And here's the problem. We talked about this, Taylor. You know, those two, those people have two options if that debt's coming due. One is they refinance, the other is they sell. Sales are down 85, 90% right now. That's how far they're down. Okay. Refinancing is not easy either because in our world, we have what's called debt service coverage requirements. You know, if you buy a house yourself, they're going to look at your own debt to income. But when, when you buy an asset like we buy, they're looking at the property's ability to service the debt. So it's got to meet some requirements. And because the rates have gone up, that those requirements are much, much harder to meet. That and, you know, we've got insurance um, that's gone through the roof, you know, tax increases because the values, you know, were really high these last couple of years. And so we've got a lot of operators that that are struggling with this, with debt and the second piece is not only very often are they going to have to put money in to buy the loan down to satisfy the debt service, but there's something called rate caps. And I mentioned this to you before we started recording. If you got a $100 million rate cap in 2020, $100 million, and they're going to cap the rate no more than 3%. It's not going to go more than 3% above that the, the initial rate in three years. That was $23,000. That same rate cap, forget three years, for one year, this was eight months ago when I saw this article, was 2.3 million, okay? You know, a lot of operators have debt that's coming due and, they're, and, they're, and that, that's a problem. And we're not even talking about office right now. I mean, office, I think in the country is not breaking even. The whole country, the vacancy rate is high enough that I don't think it's breaking even the entire country. You know, and here's the problem. And, and this is why it could be a calamity. A lot of that commercial real estate debt is held by small and regional banks, and also we could see bank failures. Okay. You know, it's just a lot of scary stuff, but there's a lot of positive stuff as well, because there's a huge housing crisis in this country. I think we're 3 million units shy right now. People need a place to live. We've become a renter nation. You know, I love the multifamily asset class because it's so resilient. Okay. In, in spite of the debt issue, you know, like when the crash happened in 2008, multifamily rents, exceeded pre-crash levels in less than three years. And that was a big crash, okay? You know, when COVID hit, office buildings didn't get help, self-storage didn't get help, uh, industrial didn't get help, retail strip centers and malls didn't get help. We got hundreds of thousands of dollars in rent relief money for, for our C-class assets for tenants that were having trouble. And, you know, that's why I love multifamily. And, and but that said, we're going to see some carnage and slash opportunity, okay? Carnage slash opportunity. Now, listen, I lost $50 million, so I feel bad for these guys. I don't want you to don't think I have compassion, but I got through it. They'll freaking get through it too, okay? And But I think we're going to see some real opportunity. I'm in a lot of cash right now and access to cash. I've created a fund to raise money and so on and so forth. And 
you know, I'm very excited about what's coming and what's already here that I've already seen. So, yeah. Okay. So when I started in the real estate space back in 2015, I was seeing experienced speakers back then saying, oh, we're headed right for the next great recession. It's going to happen right around the corner. They were wrong, but still trying to read the tea leaves. A lot of folks were saying that in 2019 as well, when rates started going up with COVID. just before COVID and then COVID happened oh. and kicked the ball. Oh. I said it with COVID, by the way. I said it with COVID. I did a YouTube video and I said the great coming crash and I got so much hate, but course negative news sells it was the highest watched youtube video i've ever had but they're like oh you're an idiot and i was wrong of course i you know my kids love to tell me you're tired of being wrong but anyway sorry i interrupted but uh, and the eviction moratorium certainly frightened me there for a little while and then Mm -hmm. oh yeah same but when i think folks hear someone who's experienced in real estate saying there may be trouble on the horizon there's a temptation to say shoot i'll just sell everything and sit in cash sit on the sidelines and just watch and wait for that to happen. But you you mentioned that you have cash and access to cash, but you're also still active in the markets. Buying right now. Yeah. Buying right now. If the numbers make sense, I'm buying. So squaring that circle with, okay, you see trouble on the horizon, but you're also Mm -hmm. still optimistic on multifamily and the asset class overall. So what are your thoughts as, as far as it comes to staying active in the market, paying attention to what's happening, seeing who's in distress and where that distress comes from, and not just disengaging and waiting for it to crash and say, yeah. Great question. I, I get people, you know, my, my students and people that, you know, I've got a huge reach. My, I've, by the way, I host the largest commercial real, real estate podcast in the world. We're over 20 million downloads. It's called Lifetime Cash Flow Through Real Estate Investing. Very proud of it. But, you know, so I, I have a big reach and I hear from a lot of people and they and I hear all the time, should I wait to buy? I'm like, no, I'm buying right now. Now, should you be conservative? Yes. And I tell my students, super conservative. You know, don't screw around with your rent projections. And, you know, we're pro- projecting zero rent growth in year one, maybe 2% year through, in tier two and three, you know, two and three percent. Don't be aggressive right now. Make sure that you're stress testing the deal in a big way. Make sure you've got tons of operating reserves, all of the things that that I'm doing and I teach my students to do. And, you know, but if the numbers make sense, there's no reason not to buy. And the numbers are making sense. Not per, It's not prevalent. It's not prolific with deals. Okay. But we are seeing them now. And, you know, it's, I, I'm not going to wait. And, and I'm telling my students not to wait, but but I, I think better deals could be coming. I could be wrong. I, I mean, who knows? If they throw, you know, 1.6 trillion, a trillion, they're throwing trillions around in the White House like it's not <laughs> nobody's business. So who knows? You know, they may just bail it out again and, you know, there goes inflation again. So who knows? And, and if that happens, then we're not going to have a crash at all. But if it doesn't happen and they decide not to kick the can down the curb, then we're going to see some real carnage and, you know, an opportunity. Okay. And this is still an incredibly solid asset class. And I love other asset classes too. I love mobile home parks. I love self-storage. I wouldn't touch office right now. And I'd be careful with retail as well with the whole Amazon dynamic. But but you know, we will survive no matter what. That 08 crash was a big one, okay? And we all survived in some fashion. So it's all good. So given that perspective, your experience going through 08, losing a significant amount of money, and you were saying, 
if you had listened to Harry Dent's projection back then, you could have avoided mm-hmm. losing all of that money. I, I would have sold out. I would have sold out. But who believed it? You know, everything looked great. You know, just like it did the last few years, right? Everything looked great. You know, now I will tell you, we didn't talk about bridge debt yet. In the commercial real estate space, there, there's debt called bridge debt. They're bridge loans, okay? I would say it's the equivalent to hard money lending in the single family space, although they're bigger operators in a big way. But very onerous debt. It's adjustable rate, very short term, one, two, three years, sometimes three with two one-year extensions, but very short term. And they've got some very onerous provisions sometimes in the debt that they can make it full recourse if you don't meet certain requirements. And so it's scary debt. And But here's the problem. You know, It reminds me of Warren Buffett's famous quote, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Your bridge debt was put in place to bridge the gap from a non-performing asset to a performing asset, okay? And then you'd refinance and put some really good debt on there. That's what bridge debt was you know, originated for. However, it was really, I would say, quasi-abused the last few years because you could you could get a higher, see Fannie and Freddie, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are the large non-conforming options for loans on the on multifamily. And they're the, you know, creme de la creme loans that you'd want to get. That and HUD, but we don't need to talk about HUD. But Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are the, you know, the elephants in the room. And they lowered their loan to value. I mean, they went from 80 to 75 to 70 to 65 to 60% loan to value. And so these operators, you know, couldn't show the, the level of returns that they could in the past. So they would get bridged at a higher loan to value, meaning less money in the deal, less equity in the deal, so they could show higher returns. Because obviously the smaller the amount of money you have in the deal, the more leverage you have, the higher the returns to your investors. And so I think that was a component of you know bridge debt just going crazy. But here's the problem, a lot of that bridge debt's coming due now. And yeah, I've got one coming due. My partner put me in one that's coming due next. Actually, I've got a couple. The, the, one of them's great. The other ones, you know, we're dealing with right now. We may, and they'll, the only, the worst case is we're going to have to put some money in. But a lot of operators are struggling with this. They don't have the money to put in. So they're doing capital calls on their investors. And, you know, their investors are, you know, getting a little beat up from these capital calls. If, and if they don't raise the money, then, you know, they're in trouble with the asset. And that's another component as to why, you know, there's like this axe hovering above the you know commercial real estate is this bridge debt component. So. so what are you seeing with regards to other folks, other operators who have had to make capital calls to their passive investors? Are they getting those capital yeah. calls filled? Are passive investors bringing money to the table or are folks saying, no way, I don't trust you, good money after bad? It depends on how it's positioned, okay? And you know, I was telling you this before we started recording. My SEC attorney, who's a he's a he's a hitter. He's he's in about nine thousand units himself, and he's got a huge SEC practice. Ninety percent of his business right now, he's in Dallas based, and you know who he is. But ninety percent of his business right now is workouts, loan workouts, loan restructuring, loan rebalancing, foreclosures, business model plans to get out to satisfy lenders, and so on and so forth. Lender negotiations, all of that. That's ninety percent of his business. He's doing a presentation for my students tomorrow night, you know, because I've been very proactive with my students to, you know, tell them to be very proactive if they've got a challenge deal. And a lot of, you know, with these taxes and insurance going through the roof, forget even forgetting debt, that's been a challenge for people, you know, and then you've got the debt on top of that. It's tough time. You know, there's a saying right now, survive to 25. That's this 
saying in our business. And, you know, I think, I think it's relevant. And, you know, the people that, that are struggling, you know, at least in my warrior program, in my coaching program, we, we're very proactive in helping them in telling them to, for themselves to be proactive with their lenders if there's any challenges. And the lenders have gotten a directive from the Fed, basically, that if they have a quote unquote creditworthy borrower, they should work with them. And that means loan restructuring, forbearance, so on and so forth, not throw them into foreclosure or into receivership. You know, that's a good thing. But of course, there's that credit worthy caveat that they threw out there. I don't, I'm sure you saw that too, Taylor. But but anyway, you know, yeah, there you go. So we've seen foreclosures happen. They're not necessarily happening left and right, but it's more frequent than it was for the last few years. But also lenders are willing to do workouts under some situations. Now, very fortunate to say I've not been involved with either one of those scenarios in any of my deals. But as far as those workouts go, what does that even look like? How do these banks have to restructure? Well, they they might, yeah, they might allow you to stop making payments for a period of time. But just remember, it's not a forever thing. Okay. So if things don't improve and, you know, we're talking about some rate decreases this next year before the election, but they're talking, you know, they're talking about maybe three decreases at 50 basis points a piece. That is not a significant reduction. Okay. You know, I'm not sure it's going to be hugely impactful on our business, but yeah. So a forbearance is you stop making payments for a while. Sometimes, you know, they'll throw more money into the deal to help get somebody over the hump. You know, they'll extend more money on the debt, you know, but I will tell you, they need to see a plan. Lenders need to see a plan. They need to know that you're on top of it. You've got a plan to take it and, and bring and make it profitable. And you asked me about capital call success. It depends on the plan. It depends on, and it depends on how they presented it to their investors. You know, this is what we're doing. This is our plan to take care of it. This is what we need, you know, but I will tell you there, there are quite a few people that aren't successful with their capital calls. And, you know, there's rescue capital out there for people that's very sharkish. Okay. And I mean, you basically lose everything except you don't have a foreclosure on your record is basically what it amounts to in many cases. But again, I know I'm being really negative here. I love the the market. I, I, I believe that there are going to be incredible opportunities. People need a place to live. It's not going away. You know, this is happening, but, it, and again, it's not prolific yet, but if there's not something happening like a rate decrease, significant rate decrease, or they throw money at it, I think there's going to be some serious carnage. So for those who do lose money in deals, I want to ask, you know, from your experience of having lost a lot of money and you turned it around, you brought it back and there's a whole thing to this. I'm sure there's a whole mental game, what it requires to oh, yeah. not just become completely destitute and just give up on the rest of your life after losing that much money. But uh, you know, give us some hope here. How did you turn it around? How did you come back from the $50 million loss to where you are today? If you listen to me at all, you'll find out that I'm known for mindset and psychology. I spent 20 years with Tony Robbins was on his team for eight years and I love mindset and psychology. And, and that's really, you know, 80 to 90% of a person's success in anything, unlimited power. He held up. Love it. I mean, yeah. And that's 80 to 90% of your success in anything, in relationships and business and anything. And, you know, I spend a ton of time on it. That's the reason my warriors, my coaching students have, you know, somewhere between 180 and 190,000 units. N none of my competitors can touch that. They don't come close. People that have been in business three times as long as I have. So because my students actually take action, they support each other, they validate each other, lift each other up and they, they take action. But back when I lost everything, and, and this is a speech I actually do, I'll touch on it very quickly just to manage time here. But the, this is a speech I do. I did it in front of 1200 people in Vegas a few months ago. I did it for a big group of military investors in San Antonio 
a couple of months ago. But it's really strategies for success, but they're the strategies I use to get out of that place. And they're strategies you need to use if you haven't taken action yet and you need to take action with something. So they're the same strategies. They apply in both cases. The first thing is you've got to do your goals. You've got to figure out what it is you want. You've got to create a burning desire or hunger. So when I lost everything, I had to reassociate with my goals. Now, if you go to rodslinks.com, that's rods, plural, links, plural.com, or if you're driving, text the word links to 72345. At the bottom of my link tree, is my goal setting workshop. I do it every year around New Year's. I'm going to be doing it here in a week or so, but it's there and it doesn't matter if you do the one from last year. But here's the thing, Taylor, people spend more time planning a freaking birthday party than they do designing their lives. That's designing your life. Okay. So again, Rod's links or text links to 72345. Have your spouse, that workshop is there. It's free. I'm not going to try to sell you anything, nothing. There's a guide you can download. Go do your goals. Have your spouse. It's about an hour. Okay, the presentation, I take you through it and you do your goals. You do why your goals are a must because it's the why that drives you. And have your kids, if they're over 10 years old, have them do it. Have them design a life. It's super, super powerful. Have your spouse do it, like I said. But it starts with goals. You got to do your goals. You got to want it. You got to have that hunger. That's the only way you push through fear. It's the only way you actually take action. And, you know, or maybe you're comfortable. And that comfort zone's a nice warm place, and we all know nothing freaking grows there, right? So you've got you've to do your goals first. And then you've got to make a decision, okay? And the Latin root for the word decision means to cut off. If it, it, that means it is not dipping your toe in the water. It's not one foot in, one foot out. You make a decision, it is freaking done, okay? And, and sometimes that decision could be the most important decision of your life. But once, you're, once you've made that decision, you're, like, you're committed. And once you're committed, you're like a train on a track. If you're not committed, you're going to get knocked off track. And so you make a decision, then you got to take the first step. Now, for me, I had to make a decision to get out of my pity party when I lost everything. And then I had to get myself back up and say, okay, you're going to go do something. But if you're just starting out, same thing. You got to take that first step. Dr. Martin Luther King said, you take that first step in faith, the next step will be revealed. You know, Lao Tzu said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, but you got to take that step. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of analytical listeners and you know who you are and I love you and you're some of the most successful operators in this business. And you also know how you have to check off every freaking box before you make a move. But you can't do that if you want to do something. If you want to listen, let me say this. I believe that there's going to be an incredible transfer of wealth coming. I really do. In my heart, I think this is going to be ugly and opportunity. And there's going to be lots of ways you can make money. It doesn't have to be real estate. It can be buying businesses. That's something I'm also very interested in. A lot of baby boomers retiring that are going to need to sell businesses and they'll probably finance them. So that's an opportunity. But you got to pick your vehicle. You got to decide how you're going to capitalize on this. Maybe it's investing passively with Taylor or whatever, you know, or becoming an operator. If you want to become an operator, when you go to Rod's links, you'll see my boot camp site at the top. I do boot camps every couple of months. They're very ridiculously reasonable, and I've never had a complaint ever. So out of thousands, tens of thousands of people that have come, that's an exaggeration. About twelve thousand total. Okay, there you go. But but anyway. But you got to take that first step. And I'll, let me give you an analogy. You can drive across the United States at night with your headlight only seeing 60, 70 feet in front of you. And you know you can make it. But, uh, you know, you may have some obstacles, but you know other people have done it before you. That's the same thing here. You've just got to take that first step and take action and push through the fear. Okay. And, you know, if you're afraid of failure, I'm going to tell you fear regret much more. Um, there was this nurse in Australia named Bronnie Ware. She was a hospice nurse. So she took care of patients when they were about to die. And she asked him a question, Taylor. And the question was, do you have any regrets? 
And she wrote a book. It's something like the five regrets of dying or something like that. And the number one regret was not living the life I could have lived, living someone else's life, not doing what I know I'm capable of. I can't think of anything worse than that. Okay. Next piece is fear. You got to push through the fear. The most successful people on the planet have fear, but they push through in spite of it. So what is fear? You know, F everything and run. It is for a lot of people, but I like to think it's face everything and rise, you know, or false evidence appearing real for sure. And, you know, you just got to push through in spite of it. And a lot of people also have limiting belief systems. You know, when I immigrated to this country, I got thrown into school and I didn't speak English. And then my mom, God bless her, and I got the prop right here. It's hilarious. My mom sent me to school in these freaking wooden shoes. These are the actual, this is the scene of the crime right here. Okay, these are the shoes we found them when we put her in assisted living. And these bring back painful memories because I got my butt kicked wearing these damn things to school. Okay. And then, you know, and then we had bullies at the end of my street and they chased me home and she chased them off the fly swatter. So the next day I got my ass kicked again. You know, so I came up with this belief system. I wasn't good enough. I used to ask myself, how can I show them I'm good enough? And, you know, a lot of people have these limiting belief systems. I'm not smart enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. I don't have enough time. I don't, I'm not analytical enough. That was another one of mine. But see, here's the thing. There's a reason the acronym for belief systems is BS because they are BS. 99% of them are BS, but we believe they're real. And so if you have one of these, drag it out into the daylight, look at it with your adult rational mind, recognize it's BS and it'll go away. I used to be afraid to raise my hand in a classroom with eight to 10 kids. Now I speak in front of thousands and thousands of people a year. You know, you can diminish your limiting beliefs if you bring them out and look at them consciously. The next piece is focus. So I, you know, I get excited about my podcast, you know, 20 million downloads. I listen to two podcasts, Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss. I try to get both sides of the aisle. Okay. And they're, they're each on the other side. And I tell you, I'm definitely on one side, but we won't go there. We won't go down the political rabbit hole, but you know, Tim Ferriss's show, he interviews the best of the best in the world, the best athletes, Michael Phelps, NFL, NBA players, actors like Jamie Foxx, Ed Norton, Hugh Jackman, you know, Arnold, billionaires like Ray Dalio, CEOs of the biggest companies on the planet like Zuckerberg, and he deconstructs their success. It's, it's stimulating conversation, even though I don't like what side of the aisle he's on, but stimulating conversation. And I started to hear a pattern. He deconstructs their success, and the pattern was they almost all meditate. And what does meditation enhance? Focus. Now, here's the thing. The most successful people on the planet have the highest degree of focus. And wherever your focus goes, your energy is going to go, okay? And whatever you focus on gets larger, both positive or negative. And if we go into this crappy time when the news is going to paint it to be much worse than it is, and like back in 08 and 09, the news was like, real estate's going to be terrible for 10 years. We know that was ridiculous, okay? But, you know, it's, it, your focus is critical. And that's why the goals are so important. Okay, even if you're not interested in, in doing this business actively or interested in my ecosystem, do the goal setting, because if you're focused on what you want, and you don't get caught up in the crap that's on the news and it's all crap. You don't even know what to believe anymore with the censorship and the propaganda and everything else. And here's the thing to remember. The news are not public service organizations. They are for profit. Okay, don't ever forget that. They're not there to help us. They're there to scare us. So don't forget that. But be careful what you focus on. on my podcast. And again, the link is in Rod's links. That's the best place to get all sorts of free information is rodslinks.com or text links to 72345. But in there's my podcast link. I do a clip every week, whether you're interested in multifamily or not, I do a clip every week called own your power. And it's a motivational clip. You give me five minutes a week, I will juice you. Okay. But don't pay it. Don't forget about focus. And it's super important. You know, I get students that say, not students, they know better, but I get people that call me and say, you know, what should I do to get out of student loan debt? And I'm like, 
Wrong question. What do you, how do you make so much money that debt's irrelevant? Okay, because again, what you focus on gets larger. They asked Mother Teresa if she was anti-war. She said, no, I'm pro-peace. You know, it's just a play on words, really, but you get it, right? The next piece is you got to play to your strengths. Whatever you do, play to your freaking strengths, especially in the multifamily space, okay? Your strengths are your greatest assets. Play to your strengths, hire a line or partner for your weaknesses. You know, me, I'm not an analytical person. I can read a P&L, but I don't love it. I've got partners that I can throw them in a room with a spreadsheet and throw raw meat in once in a while and they're happy, okay? That's who I want to partner with. And so that's so play to your strengths and hire a line or partner for your weaknesses and then you're going to love what you do. And work is play and you're never going to work another day in your life. And that what, what else happens is when you're playing with to your strengths, you're going to be passionate. And passionate is required to influence people. I mean, here I am, it's almost eight o'clock at night and I'm old as dirt and I'm, you can tell I'm passionate about this. I love this stuff. Okay. That's why I'm here. And, you know, and then when you've got that passion, you love what you do. I mean, you know, you've got the ability to influence that passion is the fuel. You know, you're not going to settle your, that passion breeds creativity and innovation and minimizes or even eliminates fear. So play to your strengths, super important. Just a couple more. The, one of them is peer group. So when I was losing everything in 2008 and 9, I was in Tony Robbins Platinum Partnership, which is his high-level mastermind. At the time, it was about 130 grand. It's even more than that now. And I was around people that were killing it in the crash. I mean, they were thriving in the crash, okay? And they're like, get up, you puss, 50 million, schmillion, go make something happen. That's who you want to be around when the you-know-what hits the fan, right? So be proactive on who you hang out with, who you allow to influence you, okay? You know, you want to be around people that think what you think is hard is easy. That's why my warrior group is so fantastic because these people are holding each other up. They praise each other. They validate each other. They help each other. All those 180, 190,000 units are done between warriors. It's a team thing. And so, you know, and by the way, if you're interested in applying for that's also at Rod's links. You can apply to that warrior program. We don't take everybody, but it's extraordinary. But the point is, pay attention to who you're around, you know, and we all have naysayers in our life that are, out of their fear of our success or their fear of losing us or their fear of being left behind or whatever, their just fear in general, they could damage our dreams. And sometimes it's family. I'm going to tell you, love your family, but proactively choose your peers. Super important. The next, next to the last piece is problems and failure. You know, I've had, I call them seminars when they fail. That was a $50 million seminar. Okay. It was a big freaking, it was an expensive freaking seminar. I don't know what that is per minute, but anyway, the, you know, I've built 27 businesses so far in my career. Several were tens of millions of dollars. I got two right now that are most were spectacular flaming seminars. Okay. We fail our way to success. Okay. So failures, you know, honestly are a gift. If you come to my boot camp, you know, one of my boot camps, the day after it, you'll get a survey from us. And I'm looking for feedback, critical feedback. Now, 99.9% .9 of the feedback is fantastic. Loved it. In fact, if you go to Rod's links and there's a bootcamp site on top, go to the bottom. You'll see what hundreds of people have said about my events. But you know, I'm looking for the improvement stuff where how can I make it better? Okay. And that's a question we ask. But that's the only, the only way you get that is you get feedback. And honestly, setbacks and failures are feedback. You know, I got to meet the billionaire owner of Spanx, us, the women's undergarments that hold everything together under their clothes. And men don't know what the hell that is. But yeah, and, and but Sarah Blakely's her name, beautiful human being. And she started with $5,000 and, you know, she was in Forbes. She's absolutely a billionaire. And she told me at a mastermind that I attended for, with, it was a marketing mastermind because I believe in masterminds. Again, getting around people that think what I think is hard is easy. She told me 
that her dad used to ask her and her brother once a week, what have you failed at this week? And I thought, what an awesome freaking question to ask your kids so they don't fear failure. You know, last thing I'll mention is gratitude. There's no greater emotion on earth than gratitude. And by the way, these are all the different strategies I use to get myself back on my feet. Okay. All the different pieces. And they're the same strategies you use to get started, to go make something happen, to create a side hustle so that two years from now, you're not in the same freaking place you are right now, unless you love where you are right now. You got to take action and do the things I just said here. But gratitude is a critical piece of that. Gratitude makes us stronger when we face our adversity. It's the most important foundational emotion we have. Strengthens our immune system, makes our heart stronger, lowers our blood pressure, brings us closer to our spirituality. But it also brings what we want into our lives, okay? So most mornings I'll sit in my recliner behind my desk in my other office and I'll just do gratitude. I'll do gratitude for the thing, people I love, for the, my students, my foundation. And I'll do gratitude for the things that I want as if I already have them. And sometimes I'll get emotional being grateful for things I don't even have yet. And I know I lost a few of you on that one, but I'm here to tell you, this is how I had 50 million to lose and how I got it back. So ignore it at your peril. Okay. So anyway, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) So much there right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Rod, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Great. Yes, sir. First one, what is your number one book recommendation? My love language is gifts, and I was blessed to have the author of The Five Love Languages on my show, and I've given away thousands of copies of his book, but let me just give you a few real quick. These are the ones I give my students. Turning Pro from Stephen Pressman about stop being an amateur and be a professional. The Slight Edge about those decisions you make every day that traject your life up or down. They don't mean much that day, but over time, they're huge. Gary Keller's One Thing. I got to have the co-author Jay Papasan on the show. Hal Elrod, blessed to have him on the show recently, The Miracle Morning. So there's a handful of fantastic books. Great calls. Number two, who or what inspires you? My biggest mentor would have been Tony, for sure. Impacted every area of my life, my health, my business, my, my emotional mastery, for sure. I mean, who inspired me? I mean, Elon Musk is, I mean, he's like my freaking hero. But Tony has been a huge impact in my life. Number three, last question. Think about Rod at 80 years old. What advice would 80-year-old Rod give to Rod of today? To start looking at life through more of a lifestyle filter. I get so caught up in helping people. And when I tell you this is not braggadocious, I get love every single day. I get cards, I get gifts, I get emails, I get DMs. Every single day I get love. And it's addicting, you know, and so many people are impacted by your work. But it's time for me to travel more, enjoy my life, and that. But I want to add one last thing here. If you let me, Taylor, it'll take just a couple minutes. When I lived in Denver, I lived in Denver for 30 years. I always knew I wanted to live on the beach. And of course, there's no (laughs) beach in Denver. But I would visualize that the palm trees and the surf and the sand, just like I'm describing here. And 20 years later, I built this incredible 10,000 square foot mansion on the beach. I had the beach on one side and my boats on the backside. It's probably worth about 30 million now. I lost it in all the craziness. But just describe this place, giant waterfall from the second floor balcony to the pool. You had to walk through the waterfall to get the pool. The pool's in magazines. You know, a big spiral staircase up to the middle of the house, wine cellar, elevator. On the second floor, I had aquariums built around the spiral staircase. It cost me almost 200 grand. So this gives you an idea of the house. Two months after I moved in, okay, I worked for it for 20 years. Two months after I moved in, I'm floating in the pool at night. My family's inside sleeping and I look up at this testament to my ego, which is really what it was to prove to the freaking world I was good enough, okay? If that didn't do it, I didn't know what would. And I got depressed and I don't mean a little depressed. I mean, I got really depressed. I'm like, what the hell? I've just achieved success like times 10,000. 
When I look back on a tale, and this is a message I want to share to your listeners, there were several things happening. One is you don't achieve a big goal without having other goals lined up behind it. Like the good book says, you need a vision for the future. You know, uh, without a vision, the people, what is it? I don't know what the quote is, but it's around vision like that. Without a vision, the people perish and, and it, you need a vision for the future. Second thing is it's never about the goals. You know, the happiest days of a boat owner's life are the day they buy the boat and the day they sell the boat, right? But you need the goals to create that burning desire and that hunger. You got to have them. It's never about the goals. Happiness comes from progress and growth. And by the way, if you do my goal setting workshop on Rod's links, at, at the end of that, I give you a, a, a weekly planning process that helps you stay happy because you're acknowledging your progress. It's a really powerful process that I use to manage two large companies at the same time. And that's the end of my goal setting session. Again, it's all free. But, but the big thing back then that I realized when I look back on it was I was totally focused on me. Rod, show the world a matter, blah, blah, blah. And that's the year I met Tony. And I found out he fed families for the holidays. And I'm like, what a concept. Do something for someone else. I'm embarrassed to say I had to be 40 to get that memo. I fed 3,500 children on Saturday, this last Saturday, okay? Over the last 23 years, I've fed 150,000 kids here in Sarasota and Bradenton. And I'm not bragging. There's a big message here, guys, okay? So don't leave, okay? I've done thousands of backpacks filled with school supplies to local at-risk children. We did 1,700 in August. I've done thousands and thousands of teddy bears to local police departments for officers to keep in their vehicles when they encounter a child that's been in a traumatic situation. And here's the thing. In our country, we've been taught to believe that we have to achieve to be happy. If you give back, you're happily achieving. And I know it's a play on words, but it's an important one. Tony Robbins calls it the science of achievement versus the art of fulfillment. Achievement's a science. If you want to learn multifamily, get your butt to my boot camp. Go to Rod's links. Go to the next boot camp. You will get the blueprint and the map. You just got to go do it. Even if you're going to invest passively, you should go there and do the boot camp. Okay. And by the way, there's another free resource there called the Cash Flow Club. And it's all sorts of books and videos and articles and emails and all sorts of things that I've sent and webinars for passive investing for you to learn. How, why would you give your hard-earned money to someone without ex having a basic understanding of what it is? So either come to my boot camp, which would be better because it's two full days of training or three days, depending on if it's live, or go to the cash flow club before you invest your hard-earned money. Again, all that's at Rod's links. But anyway, but so Tony Robbins calls it the science of achievement versus the art of fulfillment. Achievement's a science, like I just said, but fulfillment's an art. For me, you, you got to figure out what juices you. For me, it's kids. Maybe for you, it's animals or the environment or the elderly, whatever it is. Give back right now. Don't say well, you had money. That's why you did it. Listen, if you want the money, give back. You'll get the money faster. Now, you don't do it for that reason, but that's how God works, the universe, whatever you believe. So anyway, I want to leave you with that. Make sure you start contributing beyond yourself because power moves to those who serve. And that's an important piece of your success. Man. Wow. You're a whirlwind. I always love having you on the show. One last time. Thanks, brother. Give us a link. Where can folks uh, get in touch? Rodslinks.com. Yeah. Ro Rodslinks.com is the best place. It's got all my social media there. It's got my boot camp site. If you, if you want to go to one of my boot camps, they're ridiculous. You can cover for as little as hundred bucks in many cases. And my, my goal setting workshops there, my cash flow club for investors. If you want to learn, we're not going to try to sell you anything at any of these. You go learn. And, and if you're driving, text the word links to 72345 and we'll send you that link. And, and by the way, my Facebook is there. If you ask me a question, I answer every single question. And a lot of times I'll get, is this a bot or is this really Rod? And then I got to do a picture of my underwear or whatever <laughs> with my fingers up. Yeah, that's Rod. Anyway. Awesome, man. Go, whatever you do, go make it happen. Go take advantage of what could be coming here. Don't settle. 
Life's too short to freaking settle. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one.